Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Music is one thing that can bring people from all walks of life together and can unite people of all ages. When chemistry is found between two or more musical talents, it creates an almost magical experience. Our guest today on the podcast will join us to discuss how his music career has taken so many unexpected turns and how collaborations can come from those you may never have expected. Coming up next on the Spent the Rent podcast, one half of the musical duo Buffalo Romeo, Lee Jones. Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today from Buffalo Romeo is Lee Jones. Lee, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Yeah, this is an honor. So a little backstory about how I had first uh, was aware of you. I had I was at I had an ex-girlfriend that was really into bluegrass, and she she begged me to go to the Willamette Valley Opry at Willamette High School. I guess that's a month, month monthly thing. Once a month. And uh, I was reluctant, but I went. And there was, you know, it, I, I enjoyed every group, but you guys definitely, you and Keenan for Buffalo Romeo, you guys were definitely the one that, that stuck with me. I mean, I was talking about it for a couple of weeks. And then on Facebook, you and I became friends because of some political content, some, some mutual friends. And I never really clicked on your profile. And then I had seen you posted something. You said, hey, here's some dates for Buffalo Romeo. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to get that guy on the podcast. <laughs> and here we are. So I appreciate it. And this just shows Facebook can do good things. Yeah. Yeah. So, Emerald Valley Opry is a cool scene, too. It was pretty special. So. Yeah. They bring in they bring in like really old time country folks from around here. Very the blue haired, very conservative country right and, and we're gonna get to that in a little bit i yeah. wanted to talk to you about the challenges of the genre of music you do typically uh-huh. you know i don't want to say that with country music is is conservative based but a lot of times that is the audience but especially when you do a show like the opry and we'll get to that in a little bit mm. is it a challenge to you to have to kind of cater to your audience a little bit but we'll get to that a little later that's a good question so um the opry is something real quick i wanted to talk on that a little more is that something you do pretty frequently we haven't played out there recently, but um, I actually taught school in Bethel. Oh, wow. And uh, that is a benefit for uh, Bethel jazz pro- music program. Yeah. See, Willamette, the area is, is uh, it struggles, you know, and there's a lot of issues with poverty and whatnot. But the music program at Willamette is incredible. It's a fine school district. I mean, they, and, they, they you know, Colt McCoy got um, um, bumped up into the state department of education out of there and, and he's hopefully going to do the same kind of great things he was doing yeah yeah in, i mean I, Bethel, was, you know? I was impressed that was the first i was aware of it uh, my ex-girlfriend went to willamette and she had talked highly of it and yeah. that, that was really impressive so that yeah. was cool some of the other bands it was neat because you see singer songwriters doing stuff that you know it's like i mean there's so many musicians all over the country that should be known you know you know that work their ass off and just don't get the recognition yeah well you know that's what we've all come to realize over the last 30 years once you know we got you know digital home recording setups and you know able to make videos and stuff that you can't hardly swing a dead cat without hitting some miraculous musician right in, in your hometown right that never and ever, I'm, I'm ever would have cleared you know the surface totally. and, shown up. and i'm personally a fan of it because i think everybody should make content because, you know, there's an argument that it's like, oh, you got to sift through a lot of garbage, but at least you can be found, you know, independently. So I've got mixed feelings about it because it seems like the, a lot of talent still rises to the top and there's yeah. a lot of garbage that rises to the top. Yeah. That's never changed. Money, money has always, you know, changed everything. Sure. And, it, <laughs> and we talked about this a couple of episodes ago with Joey Helpish. Uh-huh. There's only been a small window where there's actually been a monetization of music. I mean, to the same, to recording. 
you know, right. to performing that still exists. And that's how you make your, your money is by doing shows. You know, I used to do free shows and hip hop community hated it because we kind of, yeah, how do you, how do you, I mean, you know, the, the idea of surviving as a working musician in, in, in a place like, uh, well, the United States, as far as I'm concerned, sure. but, but Eugene is like, there's so many musicians around here. You don't, you know, going out to hear music is, is like, well, I could, and know. and I can only go to one. And you know, I can and only I, go to one. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. And back the, back to the Opry is like you. That's what that's what's so cool about that place is you have this you know Bob Will's authentic country band with like a pedal steel yeah. player and you know some guy yodeling and stuff and then you have Buffalo Romeo ripping up you know Olden in the Way material. And yeah, it's like pretty cool. And I was blown yeah. away. I mean, obviously with you, that's why you're here. But also Keenan, we're going to talk a lot about him. Yeah. He's, he's we're going to. It would be cool, you know, to have him on the show. The maybe, step nephew. Yeah, and I was reading your little little more about you. And so, Keenan Dorn, he's twenty two years old. Is that current? I read that on your Facebook page yesterday. Uh, he's twenty three now. Yeah. Twenty three, mm. and you're older than that. We'll I just am. say that. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm sixty five. Just cranked wow. sixty five, man. Yeah, and so Keenan and you uh, cross paths on a camping trip. Yeah. I read about this Indeed. that, uh, and then come to find out you had kind of a family relation, not blood, but, but <laughs> yes, actually it is blood. blood. Okay. Yes. So you can he explain is my, that. He is my twin brother's grandson. Oh, wow. And my twin brother died when he, Keenan was, you know, not Keenan, but Buck, his father, Keenan's father, Buck was, was, you know, six years old. And so Buck grew up and he's my nephew, right? Right. Buck is my nephew. And, uh, and he ran away from, you know, uh, Lubbock uh, after he turned 16. And I chip off the old Elrod block. He was he was the wild child of us twins. And uh, and then Buck came over here and spawned uh, a couple of older sisters and Keenan. And uh, I didn't, we had never crossed paths. And it's just this ridiculous just say, synchronicity. Yeah, my, my wife, uh, <clears throat> who just... I recently, you know, re-met and married, you know, recently in the last 10 years, we got back together and, uh, Keenan's mom, uh, who was, uh, Buck's partner, um, worked in the post office for 30 years. And so we're at a campfire and Keenan and I are playing guitars across this campfire and they're all like asking for sing-alongs and we're all going, ah, uh, no. And we slunk off to play guitars and not right. have to do sing-alongs. <laughs> and just totally clicking right yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty it was pretty good right right from the get-go. And he he played um he played in this band I had going called Barefoot Leroy. Right. Uh for about a year and a half, maybe, uh filling in for the miraculous you know, mandolin player and guitar player Steve Goodbar. Right. Who you might want to meet also. Sure. And uh uh <clears throat> and then when that band broke up. Um, you know, Keenan and I had already started leaning off into jams, even in the middle of the Barefoot Leroy stuff that left um, some of our side men kind of feeling disgruntled and right. like, what's going on. And see, the, so it's a duo. I mean, do you guys usually, when I saw you live, it was just the two of you. We only, we perform as a duo. Every once in a while, we, we add someone. Like a know, drummer or we'll something? Bring in, no, no. Every, you know, in performance, we, we added Kelly... Uh, uh, at a, I mean, we'll have guest performers come in and sit in with us for sure. a few songs, you know, Zev, singers, guitarists, Zev from, uh, soul, uh, soul vibration. Oh yeah. Camera Zev camera came in and, uh, Kelly Tybido, I think is from, um, um, Etouffee, the fiddle player. He sat in with us a few times. We, uh, but, but basically I played solo for so many years and, uh, with a bluegrass style where, you know, you're playing a bass line and you're playing like chords and riffs and, uh, behind the vocals and the choruses and uh 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 and and, and keenan is like this arpeggio and chord voicings master among, right. among other things and uh and has become a really excellent harmony vocalist in the meantime right and so uh yeah it's it's a uh, the the thing that uh most people say i mean if there's a if there's a if there's a theme, uh, number one is, are you guys related? And number two, <laughs> when they see us play, it's like, well, yeah. Uh, although I am not his father, I am not your father. <laughs> right, Keenan. right. Uh, uh, 
but the uh, the amount of music that's coming off the stage, it sounds like more than two people. Oh yeah, I, it's pretty always. wild. It stuck with me, <laughs> and I think the name is is perfect, especially yeah. for the genre that you do because it it gives a perfect. I mean, it's just perfect. Yeah. So Keenan has is classically trained. He at the time that I had seen you guys, you talked about this a little bit on stage that he is he was graduating from the university with his master's, correct? No, just he, undergraduate uh, regardless. he was taking lessons from guys like Mike Denny while he was still in high school. He's a local jazz master and, uh, and Don Latarski and, and others. And um, um, he went straight into the a scholarship at the U of O School of Music yeah. uh, in jazz studies and also, uh, I believe, sound reinforcement or, or sound recording, digital, right. digital audio, something or other. And uh, he's currently, uh, you know, this still trying to figure out whether to hang around in Eugene or go somewhere else. Sure. Uh, um, uh, he's doing sound uh, and tech for the U of O uh, athletic department. Oh, and, cool. Uh, not just the athletic department, but um, does concerts, does audio support and tech support at uh, Matt Court for and and uh, Autzen for the big games and concerts right. and all this nice. stuff. You know, it's pretty cool, yeah. So your music career has spanned decades. When did you get started? Um, I had a disadvantaged child as a, uh, a disadvantaged youth as, uh, relative to my musical upbringing because I had a music gene that I don't think anybody really, uh, understood. I right. certainly didn't. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, my folks didn't. And, uh, so we played, you know, clarinet in our family for, uh, until I quit in the seventh grade. And then I picked up a guitar in the 12th grade. Wow. You know, an acoustic guitar and learned how to play cotton fields. And I was a little bitty baby mama. It's an old, you know, slave song, I guess. I'm not sure what it was. But uh, um, went on to play bluegrass at first um, up in San Luis Obispo. Just trying to get familiar with the guitar. Uh, uh, Loved singing. Right. uh, You know, I mean, the bottom line is from, from the time that my brother was bringing home like the Kingston Trio and Phil Harris and uh, uh, um, North to Alaska, John, Johnny Horton and all these early, you know, kind of rootsy writers. And, and Phil Harris is like this Southern comedian guy, you know, it's like does these big story songs. And so I was hearing all this like really kind of funny, interesting, weirdo stuff that my brother was bringing home. And then my uh, neighbor down the street started bringing home Beatles uh, albums. Right. You know? And I remember the vinyl coming in. And it was like, we're opening up Rubber Soul and going, well, let's listen to this. Yeah. And then that brings the <laughs> that brings the pop and the songwriting and all the stuff that is universal. That's yeah, what the Beatles... See, yeah. there, I, there's two things. There's a... There's a I mean, there's the Beatles or Elvis. It's like you can go one way or the other. I'm definitely more Beatles because mm-hmm. I like the pop, like yeah. pop ballad kind of stuff. Well, yeah. Plus the genius of their chord progressions and melodies and harmonies. I mean, it's like, you know, Elvis was one thing and these guys were something entirely oh, other. Oh, just so creative. And, and so and so basically, I mean, to, to get to the end of that story, I drove around, you know, once I got my driver's license, you know, I had about a year and a half uh, being able to, you know, drive around town in my dad's Corvair and uh and listen to the radio and i was just singing harmony i was singing harmony all the time to the beach boys all these right. new beach boys songs all the stone songs the zeppelin songs i just like singing harmony all the time to that stuff yeah it's cool i mean <laughs> and then seeing seeing you guys with my lack of knowledge in americana music uh-huh. i basically when i was telling people about it you know because i'm like i said i'm a barber so the next week after seeing you at the Opry, I was telling people, man, I saw this this duo. They're called Buffalo Romeo. And in lack of another way of explaining it, the, the older gentleman reminds me kind of of Johnny Cash, you know, the deep, gritty kind of voice. Mm. And there's a saying I always say about Johnny Cash, you either like him or you will, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's something that he was so smart in the end of his career to kind of do remakes of uh, the next generation's music you know and it was so it caught i mean the album that rick rubin produced mm-hmm. it was just so incredible you know but that was something that i i uh kind of picked up on your guys's style and like you had touched on so, some of the goofy fun kind of loose creative stuff that people do in that type of music because it's outlaw country essentially they're like i'm gonna do it my own way you know and that's something that really resonated with me with your style that's interesting. I don't even think of it as country, but it's, I mean, it's, it, that's, that it's a good, good illustration of, you know, how labels are mean something, sure. something I mean, to yeah. one person and something else to another person. Yeah. And yeah. I think the country association was more because 
the Opry because that the, the yeah, only time I had your, seen that was you where live. The seed was, tran- but, was planted. But for then sure. a lot. I mean, country to me and done right, not in the current pop, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And and it's each their own. If people love what they do and, and the people embrace it, then I support that. But it's really about traveling. You know, it's really about being on the road. And yeah. so that's kind of to me what it's about. It's about not knowing where your next you know, night's going to stay where your head's going to fall kind of thing. We like those stories of, of well, we do so, you know, in, in Buffalo Romeo, we try to do a song each by any number of great songwriters. This is my usual spiel, you know. So we do a Rodney Crowell and we do, a, you know, a Loudon Wainwright and we do like a, a Bob Dylan and we do a Rolling Stones and we do a, you know, just and find, you know, John McLaughlin, we go way over into folk music. That's why it's not really all like country sure, rock. Sure. We go swing way the hell over. Stan Rogers, we do the Mary Ellen Carter. Got picked that up recently. Really fun song. Um, and that's what's cool about uh, the both of us is that we're not like, I, I, I mean, I think, and, and from an audience perspective, list, being able to listen to this variety of music coming out and we don't turn everything into our style we just like that's we'll, what I, we'll yeah. Take, yeah i mean we'll we'll play a song over in that style sort of you know play some rock and roll play some you know kind of really straight acoustic bluegrass or uh, a folk you know so that i was just going to ask when you were started talking about that that when you do a cover song do you try to kind of not replicate but do your own do you try to do them justice by staying in their genre? No, you know, or you, or you well, well, I'm, I Absolutely guess, not. how do I phrase it that, that you just said, like, you don't want to make it all your own. So you're not taking the elements of their song, the melody, the lyrics and all that, and then just recreating it. You're trying to, do you try to keep it the same? Or? We, uh, well, we do, um, a song off of exile on main street. Um, uh, what a beautiful buzz. What a beautiful buzz. Um, God, I can't even remember the name of the thing. It'll come back in a little bit. But uh, yeah, no, they they do the song with drums and electric guitar, elect, you know, two electric guitars and a big horn section, and we're doing it with two acoustic guitars. Or now he plays electric, but uh, and just a, and we play some of the horn lines, you know, right. suggest some of the horn lines, but the rest of the song is just that we're play, taking the chord progression and making up right. the way that we play it underneath. I mean, we really make no attempt. <laughs> no attempt that's good to, to dupe the previous sure. set, the way a song was done because i think cover songs are more just doing an homage to to the yeah. you know the original yeah well Pete lavelle on klcc has always has always said you know that that i i do a a better you know interpretation of of some of these songs you know city of new orleans you know sure. for instance then than a lot of other people he's heard so that's 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 something i actually pride myself on is being able to take and part of this is like our repertoire. I mean, this is this is really the thing. Our repertoire is my repertoire honed over thirty years of sure. playing solo. Sure. And these are all of my favorite songs from when I started playing out, before I started playing out. And they're they're the go tos and the ones that like work and I like really know what they're about. And you know, when we when we sing those songs and play those songs, it's like. It's, it, they, they sound like they're coming out of somewhere deep, you know? Right. Because they are. Because it's a lot of raw emotion, yeah. Yeah. That's the one thing that, you know, my my background in music is with kind of hip-hop. I call mm-hmm. it pop-punk hip-hop. But the one thing that I you don't see a lot in hip-hop is cover songs. Because, right. because when you're telling someone's story with hip-hop, it's your storyteller. But that's, it's interesting. I, you yeah. know, I always say it's like, well, well, you know, you can't do it because it's just so personal. But then you get stuff that's, I mean, I guess it'd be pretty tough to cover Boy Named Sue, you know, you know for, for Johnny Cash. Something that's so obviously biographical. Uh-huh. But there's something about... Except that that's not even a real story. I, mean, I bet. Well, yeah. you know what I'm saying. That's true. That's <laughs> so true. It's it's faux. Yeah, that, yeah. I don't know. I, I I just I just think it's really interesting with hip hop how there's just no covers because it's just it's just not done. I can understand why people wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, you know, you know. I mean, and I'm talking about the the classics because the stuff that's made now is is jib is weird. But that's how everybody yeah. of a certain age probably feels about every every year prior. Yeah. But, right. Absolutely. So you had moved around the country. Uh, what brought you to Eugene specifically? Well, we do need to talk about our our parallel arcs, our story, our our bush. Oh, you and oh, you and me. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I moved here twice. I moved here once in 1975. 
uh, I had been in Cal Poly San Luis Obispo going to school down there off and on for a few years, raised in Southern California, further south, and uh, 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 was hitchhiking um, down from Seattle back in the days when you could sort of do that. And I got picked up by this woman, young woman, um, uh, and she let me stay on her couch uh, here in Eugene, Oregon. Well, yeah, in Lane County. And, uh, uh, you know, no no funny business, no nothing. Just like, yeah, you can stay on my couch. And she was so mellow and so cool. I said, you know what? If there's more people if there like are people that. Like, <laughs> yeah. In Eugene, Oregon, that's where I'm going. You yeah, know, so. and it's, it's, I mean, I've lived here for 25 plus years, and mm -hmm. it, there is a lot of people like that. There's a know? lot of people who just show up, go, well, I don't know what made that happen, but here I am. <laughs> now, now people don't ask permission. They just sleep on your driveway, but that's a different story. Oh, that, yeah. yeah. But Eugene's a vortex, so if you leave for too long, it's hard to hard to go too far away without getting sucked back there in. There are a number of, of folks like me who have you know been here for a long time and then had to go off and do something else and then come snapping back at yeah, the yeah. end of the bungee jump you know and like yeah so i was in i was in uh uh primarily maryland i mean i did when i left here in 91 so i was here for 16 years when i left here in 91 i went up to uh, uh outside of seattle on the kitsap peninsula and got hooked up with this vietnam veteran and got buried in this vietnam documentary project called vietnam colon an inner view uh which is now up for uh, a second screening to get onto the uh, satellite where uh, they screen they they spread it out to all the PBS stations in the wow. country so we're like like we're like one click away from finally crossing that one threshold where we can you know get paid back <laughs> so now with that are you doing the music or you doing... i did everything man i started out as the songwriter he in 90 91 when i left here 92 he found me up there i was running a songwriter showcase and uh he said i want to have you help me write songs about vietnam and i was like a strident anti-war sure. anti-vietnam anti-vietnam veteran person wow. i mean i was like i didn't ever protest or throw shit or sure. you know, say things or anything but uh just you know born and bred on in the in southern california on the coast during the during the late 60s you know i just i had an attitude and uh so this uh he uh mark watskowitz when he asked me that it actually it presented me with you know one of the great choices and opportunities of my life which was to like run towards something that freaked me out sure that's a, beautiful an artistic challenge yeah. that like completely well and there's probably some kind of scared me you knew that it could i mean i i, I wasn't alive during that time but no. i can't imagine the hostility towards the vets you know because they're just doing their job and so oh, oh no you can you know you heard about it but if you'd been if you'd been i can't you know, a kid reading and, and listening to what was in the media it was pretty hard not to um uh uh, well, yeah, the thing was, everybody opposed the war, and there was a there was a, a you know a freaky subculture within there who were into throwing bricks yeah. and bananas and shit and you know spitting and all that stuff. But that's you know as with any population who sets the bad example on the extreme, they were like you know three percent of the anti-war people, and the anti-war people were actually we thought I mean those who were protesting. I was too young. But that's where I would have been, uh, sure. you know, protesting to get those guys out of there and bring them home. Right. Know? See, yeah. I can relate, though. You you had kind of made reference to the Bush years. And I was 18 at the time when he was elected. And I was pretty much an anarchist at that point. Mm. I mean, I wasn't like you said, I wasn't, you know, burning cars or flipping cars or anything. Right. But my mentality at South Eugene High School yeah. was very anti-establishment. And then with for me personally, and I'm only speaking about myself, I had a lack of knowledge about really what the military did. So I, I wouldn't say I was anti-soldier, anti-troop, but I definitely had some hostile views. And mm -hmm. gratefully, because I'm a barber, mm -hmm. I've bumped elbows with a lot of people that I wouldn't normally from all walks of life. Yeah. And then one of that groups is the ROTC and then veterans because, you know, they're, they're sure. getting their hair cut pretty frequently, you yeah. know, and I'm grateful because yeah. I've changed. And I've learned that, that military individuals are just like anyone else they're non-binary that they're not all going to have the right. same views you know what right. i mean some of them are very critical of yeah. the choices they even had to do you know the the oh, things yeah. that they did I, ha I i stumbled across uh it's called the vietnam and inner look view a view an interview uh, i stumbled across that on your on your youtube yeah and i didn't click on them yet but i saw that those were on there and 
I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk to you about that. And like you said, that's something that's coming. So uh, if you're listening to this, definitely check out Lee Jones' channel on YouTube, and you can look for Buffalo Romeo as well. And then mm-hmm. we'll talk about that at the end of this on ways to find you. But Good, that yeah. is, is really neat that yeah. you guys are doing that. So that's a long time, a project of, of 10 yeah, plus years. That's, that's why well, we started in 92 wow. and made that record and then broke up. And then I moved to uh, Port, uh, I'm sorry, Maryland and taught school and lived over there for 16 or so years. And uh, actually, after I'd been over there for about a year, um, you know, things have been going really well on the West Coast, including here when I'd been performing solo. And and then I went up to, you know, outside of Seattle and I actually got invited to play at Bumbershoot. Oh, wow. And I got a solo, you know, concert for 300 people at Bumbershoot and got a standing Oh yeah, you know, in, yeah. In '92, and then uh, moved to Maryland and just sank beneath the waves. Sure, uh, uh, just could not get my scene going to save my life, and so I taught whitewater kayaking for five years and uh, uh, didn't even hook up my stereo. I was so fried on music. Sure, sure. <laughs> and you take take time away from it. And then George Bush came along. Yeah, so you wanted to bring this up. What, okay, where, well, were, you, see, where the, were you going this with is that? The, this is the deal. This, this is where the this, interviewer gets flipped on the interviewee. This is the deal where where uh, I I was like, well, you know, my writing. I mean, this is the this is the the background for me personally. It's like I started writing music. Um, not to tell funny stories, but just to work out my stuff. Me you know? too, hundred yeah. percent. Right, it's okay. therapy. So, and uh, and so, I basically got to the point when I had left the West Coast. I had already written uh, a whole bunch of things that I liked, that said things that I believed in, and um, and they were good recordings and they were good songs and. Uh, uh, it's just I, I knew from the beginning that I was never going to be like you know break break into a public you know a heavily public kind of uh, profile. It just wasn't going to happen. I, I have focus issues, and uh, you know, jumping from one thing to another is not the way to uh, further a career necessarily. Um, uh, but when George. So I think, you know, and this is what it was. I I actually got tired of watching my life uh, for uh, content that I could turn into a song. I mean, I was actually like, you know, it was a post-Nashville experience, uh, you know, experience where everything you look at and everything anyone says can turn into a hook. Sure. And I finally realized I was like living my life as like a songwriter who was just like sponging up stuff. Uh, uh instead of actually being in it right <laughs> right i'm listening to it from the songwriter perspective sure. you know and going ooh let me write that down you know it's kind of like ooh let me take notes about what we, what we just said so forcing it instead of and i finally said hey man it's like you know i'm not, i i want to be present in my life i don't want to i'm i don't want to keep writing about it i just want to be present in it right <clears throat> and uh so until george bush came along that was what i did and then um one thing led to another and I wrote a couple songs, and then uh, my acupuncturist said, "Lee, you really, really need to get back into recording and writing and perf- and doing music." And my my internist, who discovered my kidney problem, turned me on to GarageBand. He said, "Man, you got to see this program, Lee." Yeah. He showed me how to run GarageBand in his office, in his uh, in his doctor's office there. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, and then I just started recording, and I recorded four more years, which was uh, uh, the song that made the finals of the new song uh, uh, songwriting competition nationally. Uh, oh wow. Yeah, in 04. <laughs> yeah, GarageBand is amazing. You know, uh, yeah. Joey Helpish, like I had mentioned before, was yeah. on. He records everything on GarageBand. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he teaches people, he has a school, and he teaches people to use GarageBand because he's like, just focus on playing the music. They've already dumbed it, you know, dumbed it down enough that anyone can do it. Yeah, I mean, it's like for making the world's best demos, there's nothing better. I mean, yeah. we, were, we were recording back in the day, we were recording on. Well, the original was. Like four tracks. and The original was a cassette deck with two mics in, right? Yeah. Okay, 
So you get a stereo track with like like the Beatles, early Beatles, a guitar over here, the vocals over there. Okay, so the next cassette deck I was able to buy had a mic line mix, which meant that you could put mics in the front and you also had the regular RCA jacks in the sure. back. Yeah. So you could record left and right of some, you know, your your rhythm guitar and your lead vocal put that cassette in the other machine, play it back through the lines, and then add two more mic lines in on the, so on the original that machine. So fullness, yeah. So you're basically doing, you know, you can get four tracks, but with no, you know, you got to play it live. Right, right, right. <laughs> and if you want to go to six, then you start dealing with issues where discrepancies in the speed of the two cassette decks sure. is slowing things yeah, down yeah. or speeding things up. But I yeah. think that that knowledge of doing it the old school way, the analog way is yeah, so that's, valuable. That's why. Yeah. And then we, I mean, we did our, our, our early studio albums had, you know, we were cutting tape, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, the real, real with the razor blade and all that stuff and splicing parts together and stuff is, uh, uh, and then, you know, I did a whole lot. We got a Task Imported Studio when they came out. You know, it was like four-track. It's like the Fostex, you know, right. slightly better. And uh, uh, made a whole bunch of home demos on that. And then made, made my first record. My mom, my dear mother, rest her soul, gave me uh, enough money to pay a local uh, engineer and producer Don Ross enough money to get him to commit to basically producing the whole album. Nice, because uh, he had just gotten a new system that was an automated board, and he wanted how to wanted to learn how to do it. So uh, I got a I got a good deal on that. Sure. Put a record out, and um, I couldn't play any of the songs on it live. I mean, I was it was all rock and roll. It was all stuff I had done in my head, and got people to come in and play these parts, and and you know it was like an album called Against the Wall: Songs of Recovery. Oh wow! Um, uh, it was a about. After the fact, it turned out to be uh, songs about living, you know, in a in an alcoholic uh, codependent relationship. I'll have to check that out because that I can relate with that for yeah, sure. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Can't we all? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, it seems like a lot of the people that I'm drawn to absolutely have that kind of disposition. But yeah. I, I think it's a it, the reason that addiction finds us is because we actually think. You know, so instead of it's because we're tormented because we actually see things instead of just being yeah. like blind and having you know that's a different yeah. story. My my earliest <laughs> music is really depressing. It's, it's like, I mean I was a depressed kid. And well, so. it's, it's cool that you say that because that about how you do it to work things out because that hundred percent is what I've done yeah. and it's it's helped me. I mean I don't know if I'd be here if it wasn't for creating music and for me yeah. it's like I didn't even have any musical talent necessarily. Yeah. I was I consider myself to be more of a recording artist. Uh -huh. You know, a singer songwriter is what you probably would call yourself. But I mean, that's what I love about now digital world is that I can sit down at a computer and I can make something out of nothing with no, I don't even play any instruments. I mean, you have a great ear, man. Your, your material is really, is really solid. I like it. Well, a lot. I appreciate that. I mean, I've it, only listened to a few cuts, but sure. I really like it. And the a lot of it, of it's, it's interesting because I, you know, like uh, one of my favorite songs I've done, it's called, uh, turmoil despair those were literally uh -huh. the, the backing track is literally like outtakes from other people recording music on my computer so oh, i because nice. i didn't i don't play guitar yeah. i own guitars i own a bass and i could play the top string and mm -hmm. that's about it mm -hmm. that's but, I get, but i get but i get it's a good string <laughs> but i get stuff done but enough about me so you know you had mentioned politically uh how you've kind of gotten involved george bush kind of motivated you and i can completely relate to that because i have a lot of songs i have a full album called big brother that's about george bush yeah. so you had recently done a parody about ruth bader ginsburg what's the original song that it's kind of played off of hang on sloopy hang on sloopy right and uh -huh. it's everyone knows the tune you know mm -hmm. so we're it's gonna... one of the greatest pop rock and roll songs ever written i mean it's got three or four chords depending on how you count it but uh the 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 build that they have up to the final chorus it's just they, there's two pre-choruses and it's just like one of those things it's like oh come on and they're actually saying come on come on it's like come on come on and it's just like builds up and right. builds up and when it finally answers it's like oh yeah that's good so you guys made it made a different version based it's uh about ruth bitter ginsburg and i don't know how old she is now she's in her late 80s i think yeah she's she's getting up there um she uh yeah i was watching um some show on msnbc one night and just said hey that's hang on hang on ruthie i mean she was it was i think it was rachel i'm pretty sure it was rachel maddow and i was like she's doing some feature on ruth bader ginsburg i said god hang on ruthie and i said oh 
<laughs> there it is. Bam, yeah. there it is, yeah. So you had said you wanted to, we're going to play a little clip of it, yeah. and then we'll come back and talk about it. So which, uh, give us a little background. What are we going to be playing? Okay, well, uh, there's a there's a section that actually wasn't in the original song, um, um, because the, the structure of Hang On Sloopy didn't allow for the content that I needed to get in there. I studied on Ruth Bader Ginsburg for two months before I tried to really start writing lyrics, and... Uh, 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 in order to um, do the erudition, you know, that uh, folks like Maddow exercise all the time, uh, I wanted to list all of the, at least some of the key Supreme Court decisions. Right. You know, so in the middle of that song, there's that section that goes, Justice was served at SSI. Justice was served at VMI. And these are all court. These are all Supreme Court cases that she argued either successfully or in the minority. And uh, and it's just listing all the stuff that she did. And it's like you can look them up what they were about, you know. But they were about. They were all about gender rights, gender equality, and the uh, the funny thing about Ginsburg, you know, it's like people people of the uh, right think seem to think she's like just this uber liberal you know feminist person but uh the ssi decision actually was because a guy wasn't getting as much money from his deceased wife's ssi account as she would have gotten if he had died yeah there's a funny thing about all it. other things being equal and so the guy was right. getting screwed and so that court case that she argued and uh, won was a project was a gender was equality a, for that's males. the funny thing about equality that people like to ignore you know it's, yeah. it's like when you yeah. actually care about the constitution it yeah. should protect everyone equally yeah. you know so yeah. imagine that you know, know. so what we're gonna go ahead and play just a snippet but this yeah. is buffalo yeah. romeo yeah lee jones of buffalo romeo uh with hang on ruthie justice was served at vmi justice was served at Justice was served Lily and Durin. The justice is served and Ruth is still burning. So that's just a snippet from Hang On Ruthie. There's a music video that I definitely think that anyone listening to this needs to go to YouTube and just search for Buffalo Romeo, Hang On Ruthie. It's pretty awesome. So you wanted to talk about politics and music interjecting. Go ahead. Yeah, it's uh, this, the Hang On Ruthie is uh, sort of a pinnacle of evolution for me <laughs> musically because what I did, I swore off doing political music after uh, 06. I did like, Four years from 02 to 06 right. of the Swing States Roadshow over in Maryland. <laughs> oh, nice. That was what I got back into music uh, when I got back into music, thanks to my acupuncturist and uh, Jack Black. Um, I can tell you that story later. Seriously, we, uh, from Tenacious D, Jack Black? Uh, yeah, well, at School of Rock, yes. Awesome. Uh, I was coming, okay, I'll tell you the story. I was coming home from uh, Eugene, and I had a pair of headphones with me. And uh, this is when I was talking to my my. my uh, my uh, uh, acupuncturist and he's given me all this counseling about Lee I think you probably want to start playing music again don't you <laughs> and, and I'm on the plane and I just happen to have this pair of headphones and I slap them in and watch Jack Black School of Rock oh wow that's a great movie and I said okay that's a better I'm back in that's a better thing to bring you back than than Al Gore winning the presidency I know I'm back know. in <laughs> that's awesome that and, is then, a, and then I did about four years of the Swing States Roadshow. I played music in seven states, raising money for Democratic you know, advocacy stuff. And uh, got to play with some of the greatest musicians uh, ever over wow. there. You know, Dave Gigrich was this monster dobro player. And Seth Keibel was this monster sax and clarinet player. And 
Aaron Bluen and Willie Gilmore and all these guys. And we went out on the road. We played all over the place. We just showed up and played for free, sold the CDs, yeah, and yeah. Uh, gave all the proceeds to, to the to local. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, that's it awesome. It was a total, total volunteer. Uh, volunteers of America hit the street, you know. It's interesting not to get off track, but we, you know, I mean, there's. So, I don't want to sit and recap the 2016 election, but sometimes it's like independent music, like what you were doing since mm-hmm. you weren't like a household name. Mm-hmm is actually what draws people's attention. You get Beyonce and it hurts the swing states. Like mm-hmm. that, that's what we learned from Hillary is that she's like, okay, let's have this huge fiasco with the elite names. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, no, no. People want to be independent people, you know? Yeah. And so, ah, yeah. that's, a, that's really cool. I mean, is there, is there, any, that was all just live performances. So that's probably no recordings or anything. For the we did two state. albums. I'm gonna have to look into that. That's it's all awesome. on my it's all on my Reverb Nation page. Yeah, uh, ReverbNation.com/slash/LeeLeeJones. I'll put the two, link in the show the notes. Two, so if you're yeah. listening to this, yeah. there, if you're on any of the websites, you know, if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, there'll be the Reverb Nation link. I'll, I'll throw that on right there on. as well. So that that particular site has about sixty of my songs on it. Awesome, <laughs> and it goes back through that period pretty extensively. I had a song called Yellow Ribbon, which is about a veteran you know decrying the use of you know we support our troops bumper stickers and right you know all that stuff that like deadened the masses you know sense of uh you know th- that that whole thing came out when uh, uh this first iraq war the yellow ribbons when the first iraq war happened and they wanted to suppress protest yeah yeah so they got the yellow ribbons we support our troops and from then on out from then on out those yellow ribbons only came out when Republicans started a war. Right. Yeah. It's like, that's what, that's what, okay, now we support our troops now because this is the war that we started. See, it sounds to me like you are saying kind of where my mindset is at with music that, you know, you want to do, like you said, you're like, oh, I, did, I vowed off doing political songs, mm-hmm. but you get to a certain point where it's like, nope, I can't stay back. I can't stay idly by. I have to use my voice. Right. And what I decided after the 06 election was um, actually well before it sure uh, was that i was done with singing to the choir because all of the music i was doing see this is the this is the key point this is the key point all of the music i was doing none of it was going to convince anybody of anything right the people who were hearing this music already agreed with me right and it wasn't so great and so catchy and so uh uh safe for people with other opinions to hear, because I was making fun of people mercilessly. Right. I was make I was mocking uh, followers of W, and I was mocking W and all the people that worked with him. I was mocking them all, and so it's like, well, that's great, you know. And it doesn't. It's all sit here pointing fingers at the other guys, right? Yeah, I've done the same thing, you know. Right. Okay. And I so, mean, it's it's the deplorables kind of stuff. So that's where that song "We Can Do Better," which is uh, just been remade. Uh, I think I sent you the link to that thing. I think so, yeah. Yeah, that's the one that you said. And and uh, the funny thing about that was I recorded that in 06 in a studio in a Blue House Records in uh, Silver Springs, Maryland. Jeff. And uh, we uh, we made a, you know, what everybody else thought was a pretty solid recording, but to me I just couldn't get past the soft feel of it. Um, it's not easy writing an upbeat happy song you know writing a song where you try to get people to like be nice to each other you know it's like it's really hard not to sound like a complete especially with the division yeah yeah (laughs) and if it's political content at all i mean the division it's it's, yeah well that's why this isn't political it's just talking about you know we we you know this whole this whole polarity thing has been reinforced by media they media doesn't want us to be happy they want us to continue you know uh studying the extreme uh version of reality that that they you know they, that they, they manufacture yeah, they, they pluck out the two percent right. over here and the two percent over here and call that reality you know right. so uh, uh just kind of getting down to yeah if we if we actually talk to each other you know, it's kind of like what you were saying, having your, having your, you know, cutting veterans hair. It's like, you get, oh, yeah. you get that different story. You go, you know what? That whole stereotype thing I have is wrong. Right. You know, it's just, it's just wrong. And then, you know, my thing I've studied for 40 years and finally came to the conclusion is like all stereotypes are wrong. Right. You know, if you, if you, if you think you understand and, and can label a whole group as uh, you know it's just it's just wrong and that that goes for millennials absolutely and boomers oh, totally and this whole this whole labeling thing you know now it's just like god is more of the same man media loves us that's to be actually unhappy. one of the first things i learned because i had a 
I mean, I grew up in Oregon as a white kid, like 99% of the rest of the people. So I struggled with how to address race. And I'll just admit it, you know? And one of the things I learned early on, I asked a friend who was black. I was like, what do black people think about this? And he said, why don't you ask him? Everyone thinks different things. (laughs) What do black people think? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it stuck with me. I mean, it's it's the truth, you know? And it stuck with me. And he was like, every group of people in that group, everyone thinks different shit. Right. You know what I mean? So just, just, just remember that. And it just changed my world because the whole world opened up and I was like, oh my gosh, everybody's an individual. We're not stuck in these boxes. Stereotypes are maybe, you know, there's some truth to it, but like you said, they're not true. I mean, at all, you know? So right through the years, I have written a lot of really pro social music. I have one on my second record, uh, which was recorded in 1989, also a big studio production number that is just overproduced to the max. It's called I Am Not a Stranger, and it featured the Eugene Peace Choir and, you know, everybody in Eugene. It was like, (laughs) everybody was on that record. Frog? Is Frog on that record? Frog was not on that record. (laughs) Uh, uh, But Pat Miller was. No, he wasn't really. Uh, And and, uh, uh, I Am Not a Stranger and a thing called Slave, which is really about um, also off that same record. And uh, who played on that thing? Um, Doesn't matter. Uh is basically the American dream, you know, it's it's the it's the uh, uh semi underbelly of the American dream and there's one called uh it's okay to be rich which um I uh I think it's about white privilege. I wrote, you know, I grew up privileged, but I was very aware of what was going on with like wait a minute, this is like it's okay to be rich and uh so that's awesome actually. Yeah, so there's what I'm what I'm doing now uh, the upshot is what I'm doing now is is pulling out some old songs that still fit uh, that represent what I've what I we're making a new record is the point it's going right. to be called Buffalo Romeo in 2020 and uh, it's going to have some of my uh, new stuff and some of my old stuff and Keenan's going to be on most of it yeah uh, and uh, it's going to have Hang on Ruthie and this thing called Big Money that we're working on right now which is uh, in keeping with, um, you know, the 1% yeah, <clears throat> sure. that discussion sure. about, about money and the, uh, the polluting um, influences of cash on our elections. Uh, uh, I think I did It's Okay to Be Rich or one of those. Right after the 04 election, we started talking about campaign finance reform. And then in 20, 2010, that Citizens United finally passed. Right, which, which allowed has destroyed the country. I unlimited mean, numbers yeah, yeah. Of, of dollars to go in untraceable into political campaigns. What could possibly go wrong? Right. So uh, we're hoping to overturn that, obviously. But see, that's if you talk about issues like, you know, money, and that's that can also include, you know, the Democratic machine on the East Coast, Absolutely. which is like uh, every bit as weird uh Maybe not with their goals, but with their methodology as uh, as Republicans. Um, uh, I don't think that they truly the elite wants the goals that they're telling us they want. I don't think they actually want it. No, 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 no. That's no, why no. they put Bloomberg and all big, these people. Big money back is in. running the whole thing, and that's the Bloomberg why. strategy shows that they have no plan because essentially that's going to bite their own hand. You know that is yeah. feeding, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we could be here forever because I've made it very clear I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter, and I I feel like at this point. Either him or Elizabeth Warren are the only people that are actually talking about changing anything for the yeah, average person. I'm, you know, I, when it comes to this election, it's like we can go through this whole painful process, and I know we will. But when the when the difference between this time and every other time is that it doesn't matter. You know, we're gonna we're gonna dump Trump. He's gonna get he's gonna get dumped. Hopefully. he's yeah. gonna get dumped. I mean, voters are not so stupid that they would think that anything we put up is is be- is 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 not an improvement call, call this premeditated <laughs> but if he does get reelected, i talked about before how i wasn't out flipping cars but that might change i'll tell you yeah, right now it's yeah. not something that i would sit idly by and just watch yeah i'm just hoping for the impeachment to wrap up before yeah now, i mean or, yeah or i don't know it's a tough one i don't want to get too off track onto politics anyway yeah we that's can, like but the point the point is the point is moving forward musically um i want to uh i want to offer um entertaining good sounding music that touches on and addresses issues without 
you know, a partisan slant. To yeah, it. and I think you do a good job. I mean, you know, with social media, it's funny. I had told you off 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 air that I initially thought because you spell your name L E A, I was like, is this woman's really cool, <laughs> you know? And I didn't look at your profile picture, and then you had posted something about uh buffalo romeo and i clicked on it. i'm like oh my gosh and i put it together but i was really i'm really impressed with the way that you handle your social media and you and a guest that i'm having on uh alan zundell of social advance i think you're both of the boomer generation uh-huh. and i'm not i'm not when i talk talk about it on social media <clears throat> it's more of a reaction that's about a small group of people in that generation but you guys are a great example that that whole okay boomer thing is bullshit because you guys both are evolving every day on your thought of the world and i think it's awesome to see and and i mean i'm my opinion matters very little but it matters you know no it's it's uh i have a number of younger friends who um are talking about things that i don't understand yeah about the most essential elements of their life and it's like well i have to learn about that it's a beautiful thing to watch and i'm not saying that like oh you're meeting my approval that's not what i meant it's yeah it's just cool to see an older generation self-reflective i've made i've made myself an assignment i can tell you this yeah uh well, first of all, there's a couple of little items. The song Big Money, which is up on my Reverb Nation page, uh, Delfeo Marsalis has said he's going to put horns on it with his oh, guys. Wow. <laughs> so I know the Marsalis name. That's the that's Branford. He's the third brother in the, awesome. in the Marsali clan. Yes, that's he's awesome. the trombone player. Yeah, I've been talking to him for a few years. So and, where uh, will you be recording this album? We're recording it over. All over the place? No, kinda? no. Golden Lab right, over, right here in Springfield. Oh, wow. Bo, Bo Eastland. Yeah, just a little name drop for him. Yeah, that's absolutely, cool. Absolutely, man. Um, but uh, but anyway, the, the the after we finish this, getting this little CD out with remakes and a few new mixes, a few new brand new recordings, including uh, "We Can Do Better," which uh, uh, I guess we're going to hear at the end of the show. Here, yeah, yeah. Uh, is a new one that I haven't written yet uh, that'll require probably just that much more work than "Hang On Ruthie" did. Uh, that's going to be about gender roles and uh, and and how this how how people who are going you know going through their gender identity and their their in their youth in particular are defining and and uh, explaining and finding their niches and and, and just I mean sure. the language is so changed I don't oh, even yeah. understand it's it a and tough so one. so what there's a song uh, this is another one that just dropped out of space onto my head it's like the uh, classic 60s rock and roll song, another perfect rock and roll song, is The Game of Love. So come on, baby, let's start today. Come on, baby, let's play The Game of Love, 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 Love. So, and changing the, na- changing the words to The Names of Love right that's and so awesome. it's got it's got a it's got a it's got a hand jive boom to boom to boom 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 to boom to boom to boom boom where you can put in rap over the top of sure. it you can have all these people come in and like do their thing you know yeah, yeah. representing their own thing representing their own situation uh uh you know like from all these groups just like right i saw the dave Chappelle uh special have you seen yeah, that thing? i did see it and we talked about it on the podcast because i had an episode about trans rights uh-huh. and ash boger was was gracious to come on and talk openly mm-hmm. about because it's such a difficult issue yeah and i you know it's tough because it a lot of people did they take it at face value i think it was i think it was actually a step towards progress people don't see that in my opinion i think it can be taken as hurtful but i think he was talking about it yeah i'm confused and to i mean this is a huge issue right now because i don't know if you're aware of this but on caught in the act karaoke jared ritzer i think is his last name okay he uh owns caught in the act karaoke which is the company that hosts all the karaoke or the main the main company in eugene lane county and he posted some comments that not going to get into the whole thing but basically we can just say he posted some comments that were considered transphobic by Mm -hmm. the trans community and Mm -hmm. A lot of the bars now, because of put pressure from, from the, uh, uh, you know, members of the community, uh, the, a lot of the bars had to drop the association yeah. with him. And I mean, it's happening fast. And yeah, and, yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, I mentioned this song idea to a friend and uh, who's very much into local uh, race kind of stuff. 
uh, here in Eugene. And um, she said, boy, you just better make sure you clear that with a number of folks. <laughs> try yeah, to, try see, to not step on too many toes. Sure, but, it's tough. But the thing is, you know, if you're if you're doing shorthand for, for groups, uh, you know, uh, and, and lumping them into a song, it might sound... I don't know. I don't know how to do it yet. You just kind of have to go for it. I don't know it. how to do it. See, I'm, the way I'm, I think yeah. you have, I, mean, I think it takes, you know, if we are going to censor ourselves and not people that are consider themselves to be outliers mm -hmm. and not be part of the solution, part of the cause, mm -hmm. you know, like progress, then we're going to end up only hearing from the two extremes, yeah. you know? So, yeah. yeah. And to me, this thing is like, number one, it's going to make me learn about it yeah, to write absolutely. about it, you know? So I, go, <laughs> I can't write it unless I learn about it. And number two, people my age are going to see it. Our largest demographic is right. women over 60 on YouTube. Right. And, and contrary, <laughs> contrary to belief, I mean, trans people have existed. They just weren't accepted, you know, in, in through generations yeah. and generations. So, well, yeah. That's the whole point. So, it started long ago in the Garden of Eden when, you know, and then you just start twisting the lyrics around. I don't. Okay, so we're trying. Well, Lee, so we're coming up on the hour here. I really do appreciate you doing this. And uh, we're going to play a song. Uh, but before we do, I want to make sure to give a shout out to my title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro. And James Barber of Oregon Cashflow Pro will be in the studio December 15th. We're going to do a full episode about what it is he does. I kind of timed it for Christmas, more for New Year's because... You know, money management is something that for a New Year's resolution is New Year's resolutions never stick, but maybe this year it will. So uh, that's going to be something cool. Tune in December 15th for that. So as far as Buffalo Romeo, there's going to be links in the show notes on uh, ReverbNation.com slash Lee Jones, L-E-A Jones. And then uh, that we're also going to have links to your Facebook page on all the different things and Instagram and all that. But it sounds like Reverb Nation is the place to go for your music. Currently, your music isn't on digital distribution like Spotify and Apple, right? Uh, some of it's on Spotify. I'm going to get some really old things are on um, iTunes. I'm going to this new album, Buffalo Romeo, in 2020 will be up on all of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome because it's getting so much easier to do and it's cheaper and all yeah. that good stuff. So, uh, tell us a little bit about the song we're going to be hearing. You had mentioned it. The song is called "Better Than Better with Hank." No, it's actually called "We Can Do Better." Okay, it's called "We Can Do Better." And I wrote it uh, as my first kind of pro-social song after writing all of the you know, Swing States Roadshow political music and decided I could no longer write partisan political music and try to do this one thing that was just all peace, love, and understanding. And uh, uh, it was not easy. Writing happy, upbeat songs is is not that easy. Um, uh, but it's, I mean, the story, the, the story tells itself. So the, the good news is we got Hank Shreve, local uh, harmonica wizard, to come in oh, and lay, lay down harmonica 14 years later on this track. Awesome. See, yeah. that's where the, the Better With Hank was the, the track title you had sent me. And I know that as a musician, it's like where it gets saved. There's all kinds of fun yeah, yeah. stuff. So, Lee, thanks again for doing this. Right I on. really encourage everyone listening, check out Buffalo Ro Romeo. Just Google it. You'll find stuff. So, Lee, thanks again. This is Buffalo Romeo with We Can Do Better. Right on. You say hi, I say low You say stop and I say no We've been walking on the dark side of the moon Yeah, but a change is due And it can't come too soon Stress, yeah, with compassion and tenderness. Oh, yes, drop the gloves, walk into the light. It takes more courage to make peace than it does to fight. Oh, yeah, I do believe. 
Together 